Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Teaching kids about life and emotions is not always straightforward. Talking to them about topics that you don't understand yourself or that are scary or sad for you as an adult can be challenging. Hannah Davison is a co-author of the My Big Moments series of picture books. Through them, Hannah helps parents navigate some of the more tricky parts of parenting. And today we're talking about helping kids to understand death and dealing with grief. Hi, Hannah. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. When my daughter was about four, her nono, my father-in-law, passed away. And I remember feeling at a loss as how to explain his absence, the fact that he was no longer going to be in the world, because it was a bit mind-boggling for me. How do you explain something like death to a child if you can't explain it to yourself? Yeah, it's really tricky. And often those things sneak up on us as well. Um, I had a similar experience when my son was three. And um, the thing with kids under the age of seven is they often can't draw the distinction between reality and imagination and what's real and what's not. And they have difficulty understanding the concept and the implications and also the permanence of death. So with kids that age, um, it's something that you need to sort of prepare for in a way with some dry runs if you can, um, introducing the concept of death, um, being led often by their questions and their curiosity um, before you get hit with it. And you're then in that emotional situation yourself where you're trying to deal with your own feelings and your own grief um, and then trying to guide this child through it. But often these things happen suddenly and you don't get you don't get that time to prepare. And these uh, conversations can often be quite, you know, uncomfortable for us because from our adult perspective, we have a greater context around death and what that feels like and what our experience has been. Whereas for kids where the concept is quite new, they're not coming with those same emotional associations often. So they can approach it with a little bit more um, curiosity than than we do. And so often it's it's a way to to get into it is to be led by their questions and where that goes. So it's great if, you, if you've if you had that uh, a, a child where they get to a certain age, it's probably around three or four, and they're starting to notice things that are dead, you know, like bugs or a bird or something like that. That's a really great way to um, introduce the concept of death. And where they're curious about it, answer the questions that they have there. It's always really helpful to go back to facts with kids. So in terms of them understanding um, what death and loss is, we have to be careful about using proper terminology so that they don't get confused by terms like passed away because that's not concrete enough for them. In our book, um, Goodbye Comet, which is one where we help kids um, understand grief and loss and how to navigate through that and what they can do in that situation. We talk about, um, there's a bird that dies in that book, and we talk about pointing out that the signs of life have gone. So he's not blinking, he's not moving, he's not breathing, his heart is not beating. And so when those things go, that is how we term death. So you can talk about the body death and that those signs of life have gone and then see where their curiosity takes you and give them those honest facts using proper language so that they've got that for themselves. 
in a practical sense, they need to understand how it's going to affect their day-to-day lives, whatever they've lost and whoever they've lost, because that will help them bring into context what it means for them. So if that means they're not going to be seeing a person or not talking on on the phone to a person, that's a way that they can understand that sense of loss for themselves. And just see what questions come up that they want to be answered and then meet that inquiry. If they're not overwhelmed by the loss, because if they're really overwhelmed emotionally by the loss, then you know, it's a case of being super present for them and being with them and being with them in whatever they way that they want or need to express the feelings that they're having because there's no wrong way to grieve and they very much need to feel that. So, you know, depending on what our beliefs are, <clears throat> it can be a really abstract concept to explain to a child when they're looking for something that feels concrete. So if there's a way to make it more concrete for them, that's probably the best starting point. You mentioned um, language is very important, such as using correct terminology like death as opposed to uh, someone passing away. Are there any other explanations that people have, you know, typically relied upon that we should absolutely avoid? Um, I mean, I I tend to stay away from (laughs) being prescriptive about anything that... um, People should or shouldn't say because I think it really depends on what you and your family feel is right for you and how you want to talk about things and and what happens. Um, But in terms of things that should be avoided if a child is going through grief and loss, it's more about things like shutting them out from the activities and processes around the loss because kids also, while they're in that experience, they need to feel a greater sense of agency over the new experience that they're having and that they're involved and that they're part of it because they're going to be having you know, their own big feelings and their own big experience and they very much need to feel integrated in that as well. So if there's a way that they can be an active participant it's and, and make a contribution to the process and the grief and the ceremony and whatever is happening, that is much better than to feel like you're protecting them by keeping them apart from it or keeping them away from it. And while we want to protect them from this full spectrum of feelings and emotions, that's actually what we what we need to do is just allow them to have it. And they might respond to things in a really surprising and unusual way, or that could be what it seems like to us, um, because we've got a sense of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. But for them, that's just what is coming up spontaneously for them and there's we just have to accept that that's what's happening and that needs to be accepted so that they feel like they can always express themselves freely. Mm. How do we placate their fear if the thought of dying upsets them? This is where beliefs and tradition and things like that can be really helpful in your family because it can be really reassuring for them that you have something to lean on and go to um, in that scenario. However, when a child is fearful, more often than not, you want to be dealing with that that emotion, that feeling that they're having rather than sometimes the, the, the subject itself because sometimes that's just a vehicle for dealing with their feeling that they need to be addressed. So they need to know that you're there and that you're hearing them, um, that you're responding to their emotional need for comfort and support because we want to fix it and we want to give them an answer. But, you know, in that scenario, we may not actually have a concrete answer that we can give them. But we just want to let them know that they're okay for feeling the way they do. And it's hard that we don't have answers for everything. But also when you're having that conversation because you're saying, yes, there is uncertainty, we have to deal with uncertainty in life, and it's really difficult. You want to finish on a positive note with something that that gives them that sense of control again. 
So reminding them that we do have control over things that we are doing now, like what we like to do in our lives, what makes us feel happy. And it's really important to enjoy the things that we do together that, that brings us happiness and joy. So, and then it's, it's sort of a good time to plan something that you, an experience that they'll enjoy that you could do together, like a family movie night, and then give them a decision to make so that they've got some control over that. So when you're having those conversations about something that's making them feel fearful and uncertain to finish on a note where they can feel certain and confident and they've got something to look forward to, that's a good way to finish those tricky conversations. Grief is also a very difficult emotion for everyone. How do we help our little ones understand their own sadness? Mm. It's a really helpful practice um, for them and for us, in fact, is to get them to connect with what the physical sensations are that are happening for them in their body when they're feeling sad or they're feeling grief and say, you know, where is that and what does that feel like for you? Because all of our feelings start with a physical sensation. It helps to keep them grounded in their body and engage with that in a way that's more helpful rather than look for ways to get away from it. It's important to really be there to comfort them, be present for them during those times of deep feeling because sometimes that's just the best thing and the only thing that we can do. And then they'll need our physical presence and support the most in that scenario. It's really hard to be a witness sometimes to their the depth of their emotion and their feelings that can be really triggering for us and particularly if you've you know grown up in a family where things weren't very freely expressed or it wasn't very acceptable to show your full spectrum of emotions that can be quite difficult for us to be a witness to and also because we just have that urge to fix it for them or to try and get them through that experience to see them happy and smiling again and and over it because it's painful for us Um, but you know it's more about giving them company on that emotional journey and being there alongside them for those ups and downs and allowing them to feel and express their own way. Uh, We've got to remind them that, you know, feelings are moving through our body and they will move on out of our body and that the feelings won't last. So there's some really helpful books around to help kids learn about emotions and how emotions work and that they will come and go. So one of them is, I mentioned Goodbye Comet, which is our book already. Uh, And that just opens conversations with parents and children, gives them that dry run. It helps them feel and understand their emotions and what they can do as an active participant when there is a loss or there is a sadness. There's also a great book. There's two books by Rebecca Lip and Craig Phillips. One of them is called Let It Go and one of them is called How Do I Feel? And they um, specifically focus on different emotions, how they might feel, reminding kids that they come and go and the book how do I feel is actually a dictionary of emotions for kids and so it helps them understand these sort of different nuanced emotions that we have and what that feels like and what we can do to help ourselves so I would definitely recommend those just to have in your library at home and dip into them when the kids have even had a bad day at school or something like that because when they can when they have words to put around the way that they are feeling and what they're experiencing, they have a little bit more control over that situation and they're going to be able to help you know how to respond because so often, you know, we are just going on the nonverbal cues from our kids or the behaviours of our kids to understand what they're trying to communicate to us. So if we can give ourselves a, a few extra tools or toolbox, that's always helpful. Hannah, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's Hannah Davison. She's a co-author of the My Big Moment series, and you'll find more info about her books in the notes of this episode. 
Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.